When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Great to have you in. Welcome to it. Weekend editions here at Tale Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Damon Barr is Damon Barr's barefoot. It's wonderful. He's doing an ode to Caddyshack, I believe. Cranach, have you ever? Well, you I assume you wake up barefoot, or do you always uh, sleep in those UGG slippers? Little hairs on the top of your foot. One more time, we we just brought you up, so I missed the first part of that sentence because it's not a circus this morning or anything. I was just going to say, it kind of seemed like it. It, it, The the whole rhythm was thrown off. Usually by like the second guitar stroke, you're talking, uh, and there was like four or five (laughs) guitar strokes, and I didn't hear you, and I was like, is he not here? Because, you know, we're socially distanced. We're we're like community distant. I'm in Omaha, you're in Lincoln, so we don't actually see each other. Well, during during game so during game days and and you know Saturdays with the floating pregame, we yeah. always see each other down in the rail yard. Of, of course, I'm I'm talking just recently pandemic, especially like yes. you know, stay the hell away from me because <laughs> <laughs> you're caring and yeah virus right invested in 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 your defense. You've got a, quite a history of traveling overseas either. So as much as I love you, I wanted nothing to do with uh, within six feet or 60 feet of you. I had to get a typhoid vaccine at one point. Where'd, they give, like, where'd they give it to you? I'm like, I don't even know what that is, but it sounds awful. <laughs> like, typhoid? <laughs> like, nothing good can come out of that. I didn't even look it up. I was too scared. What, um, was that one of those yeah. where... The, uh, the the doctor meets your eyes and your eyes meet his eyes and he kind of nods silently at you and goes, <laughs> well, Mr. Cranach, everything looks in order here. You're a healthy young male. Uh, my uh, assistant slash uh, nurse will be in to administer the typhoid vaccination uh, momentarily. And that's when they, you know, and, and listen, nurses are phenomenal. I'm married to one. And the, the worst part of their job, I know, in my general health practitioner, Dr. Jervik's office, they have a great staff. And once a year, I'm in for some sort of shot in the ass, okay, because of breathing. And, and you know, they know that day's coming. I know that day's coming. But it's, it's the old Fletch scene with Chevy Chase where, you know, drop your drawers. And that's no fun for anybody. It's no fun for me. No. And it's no fun for the poor, the poor nurse having to 
to get the injection. And it I is can, for the pervert that installed cameras a couple of years ago. <laughs> oh, my Lord. We he's, went there. He's having a blast with that one. But uh, you know what? Today is a day for you and a day for so many Nebraska fans where, guess what? They can all see each other. You are going to baseball today. I'm afraid I'm going to get, like, yeah. Dude, that, that might get old man emotional a little bit, right? Good for like you. Good for right? you. It might, though, because it's been it's been a while. It has been a while. The, the it's only been a thing year. Close to a sporting event that I've been, well, and it was a sporting event, but it was very obscure. I don't know anything about it. There was no, like, connection to it. Uh, like, I got a few innings in at a Sioux Falls Canaries game last I'm July. A big Sioux Falls guy. Right. Well, <laughs> I'd never been there. Like, or I had, but it had been two decades or whatever. Uh-huh. But, you know, just kind of looking at it. And at the time, it was like, well, God, the whole state of South Dakota only has like 40 cases. Their baseball thing is still going on. It's two and a half hours away. Let's go, you know? Um, So, you know, went, caught a few innings. And then, of course, like two months later or a a few weeks later, Sturgis happened. And then, you know, (laughs) the rest is history there. Um, It grew. But but regardless, like, think about that, man. It's it's late March now. You're a little different because you cover it at the high school level. Mm -hmm. Right. But. What about just leisurely taking in a ball game of any sort? When was the last time outside of and your, look, your kids events don't count. Okay. Right. I'm talking like college level, professional level, like actual event where you have to purchase tickets in advance. Well, when, when was the last time? Oh, man. I the last time I, I, I bought seats for all of us. Oh, wow. I can't remember because it's always been work related. You're, I'm going. I'm covering, either yeah, either, either right. to do the game or to cover the game, football, baseball, basketball, what have you. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you what. Like the last just normal moment was the College World Series with our friends at Blur Parties. We're across from TD Ameritrade. There you go. And and we we were doing live weekday shows up there. Okay. And it was incredible, and it was a party. Michigan was rolling. You had Vanderbilt. We've all done the, the blur party thing, and it was incredible with the tailgate setup they had, right? Literally a parking lot just away from the stadium. And what was special about it is my dad rolled up with me. And what was even better is there was the most beautiful woman we'd ever seen uh, that was in a white T-shirt, and it happened to rain that day. <laughs> and my dad's like, you see that? I'm like, I do. He's like, yeah, I think I'm going to start smoking again. Because she was over in the smoking section. <laughs> <laughs> Good st- it's right. Like, it's things like that. That, that was it. It was, it, right. was, it was June of 2019. If, I, if I'm just saying it, we're rolling up and doing our thing. But memories happen. Yeah. Good I things think, happen. Things yeah. are just right. Even if... The games themselves sometimes are kind of boring, right? And sometimes they are, and that is okay. That is, like, totally okay. Uh, just to actually be there mm-hmm. and just, like, you know, and just even talking to the kids about it, just, like, you know, because they're, they're younger, 8, 10. So they'll get bored. They'll complain sometimes. That's okay. I probably did, too. <laughs> they're, <laughs> you're doing they're, that age. They're bored. Not, you wanna... They're not going to yeah. complain today, though, man. They're going to be just no, I, like, exactly. Dad, look what Dad did for us. Dad got uh, us... 
back live to sports. Dad took me to see Nebraska baseball. Crane, I could go to the Hall of Fame of Fathers. Good for you. Well, it's just, it's not even that. But, wow, that would be great. I can't wait to get inducted. Uh, <laughs> come to the party. It'll be great. We'll have whiskey, I promise. <laughs> you, uh, you, you get some bike shorts, long socks, and some uh, some Crocs. Well done. But it's just going to be, it's just, it's good, man. It is really good to actually be in an actual, not in front of a freaking screen, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, at an actual event. Crappy hot dogs, right? Bat, it's just, it's so solid. It is so solid. I'm, I'm just glad that that day is finally here, and I hope it is the start of something rather than a little blip on the radar, mm-hmm. and then it's back to lockdown, you know? Like, I, I'm excited. I think it's going that way, but, you know. I'm cautiously optimistic, and we'll get to a lot this morning. Spring football starts Tuesday for Nebraska. You know, a lot to talk about position-wise for the Big Red. Uh, We'll hear from Amir Abdullah as our rewind here in about 25 minutes. We'll have Amir Abdullah. But I I saw this, and the the CBS Sports kind of laid out their spring kind of preview. They they had some questions and some, some answers about, you know, the Big Ten West and, you know, can, can Northwestern kind of reload? What what step forward does Wisconsin take? Is Iowa still going to be Iowa? Uh, Bielema is at Illinois now. You know what's Purdue's story? And then and then they get and then they get to Nebraska, okay? And and they're they're getting into the vibe and expectations discussion, and they ask a, a pretty simple question to the Nebraska fan base. And while you just outlined. The, the pure joy Nebraska fans felt yesterday at Haymarket, being able to go physically in person and see a, a really great ball game, first of all. But second of all, Will Bolt's crew, as we pay it forward to football, this question is very simple, and it's it's one that will get more intense after you have some some answers you can at least take with you from spring football once it concludes. How are you all feeling? How are you all feeling with the Nebraska football? Yes, there'll be tailgates. Yes, there'll be fans in May. And then you get to the off season. You get the work uh, that needs to go in. And then, bang, you're going to get ready for that, that week zero showdown. Concern, cautious optimism. They went D-word. Uh, do you have dread as a Nebraska fan? Or is there just some confidence, right? And I thought this was pretty fascinating, right? Multiple choice, multiple guess. It's how I finally found my way through college. You and I went to college together, A, B, C, or D. Let's close our eyes and pick C, right? No, I don't feel dread. I have felt concern if I'm a Nebraska fan. But I'm going to kind of hone in on optimism because, Cranach, you have seen this offense do everything but translate. You've seen turnovers. You've seen gash plays. You've seen an offensive line when given an opportunity, i.e. Purdue game, kind of control things, right? And and then you've also seen uh, just mismanagement. And uh, the other part of this is uh, self-harm. You, you've seen the turnovers. You've seen... The penalties, 
You've seen the getting in, in your own way. And don't you believe in your heart of hearts that that you're helping the opponent out quite a few Saturdays? Doesn't that eventually get under control? Because that's my biggest thing with this team and this program. Mm-hmm. I believe yeah. the talent's there. I believe there's really smart coaches. I I think the depth's nice. You're returning the uh, three-year starting quarterback and, and nine defenders, all right, despite that schedule. At some point, you all get to settle down and 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 start to build some confidence. They got to win to do that. But I think part of this confidence build will will happen this spring because they get a spring. You've got about 25% of the roster that's not been able to go through a spring. Yeah. That's that's for some redshirt freshmen. That's for guys that were early enrollees. That's for summer guys that showed up last year. These guys will actually get to work. And they'll get to, to to develop. They'll get to make mistakes on the practice field, not on the games, not during the games. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess that's where I'm cautiously optimistic out of this uh, question about how you feel and by CBS Sports for Nebraska. And I think it can be okay. And I think it can be okay despite you've got the two front runners, arguably, Oklahoma for sure, right, with – who's going to be in the college football playoff with all they return. You get them on the road. By the way, you're coming with us to Norman. No no, no arguments from you. Huh. And huh. and uh, Ohio State, you still get Michigan, you get Wisconsin. I mean, it's it's brutal, but it could be a, a really horrible brutal, or it could be kind of a fun brutal. So it, I'm, yeah. I'm cautiously optimistic, and it kind of kicks off for us on Tuesday, this journey here to see what happens in 2021. Yeah, it's... It's what's interesting about that one, though, is there's very there are very few years that you go into. I mean, that's that's always what you're what you are. Right. For the most part, like 90 percent of years, it's cautiously optimistic. <laughs> right. So I, I don't know if that's as much. Our, I think it's turned into that. I think for a lot of years, it was just a, a, un, unabashed confidence. Yeah. OK, that's fair. No, that's fair. I dread is pretty red. Like, I don't think anybody saw 2007 or 2017 coming. Right. Like I just, I, your I worst think, case scenario was way different yeah. than the actual scenario. Yeah. I don't think any of us saw that coming. I, I think you knew that there were fissures and problems in the program, but if you think about how things flip there, it was pretty sudden and pretty stark and pretty disgusting. <laughs> and you were like, just like, what in the hell happened? And so, of course, he had to make a change. Um, cautiously optimistic. I think that's a. I think that's a good one. What What's weird about this team now, and you wonder if it's going to be a trend. Is just you know, Brandon has has uh, studied the attrition rate. That's Nebraska a sweet sits at about, story. That's a great yeah, story. Yeah, you know, he sits at about forty percent, or, or the 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 team sits at about forty percent. That's through regimes that dates back a long time. It's just sort of is what it is with Nebraska. It's similar at Iowa. 40% of the people you recruit just leave, period. And that's that's high, very high. And it's essentially the the programs that are further away from, you know, the recruiting hotbeds experience that. Nebraska is one of those programs. That's essentially the conclusion that Brandon drew there. But as that's happened, so if that's the reality, what do you do to account for that? Like, how, how do you deal with if if you have sort of this built-in handicap where in all likelihood you're going to lose 
35 to 40 percent of the people you bring in. Like, how do you how do you overcome that? And something that Frost and his program has tried to do in recent years, it appears, is rely on the transfer portal, maybe more so than other than other places. And you look at who's coming in. You're, you're talking about prominent guys. I, you know, Samori S- S- Torre, if I had to pick right now, who's your number? If you just said, who's the number one receiver? Wouldn't you pick that him, even though you've never seen him? <laughs> and like, you don't, you have no idea what you're going to get out of him because you've never seen him. But if you had to pick right now, who is your number one receiver? Aren't you going Torre? I would think, but if I'm going to go pass catcher that I trust, I'm going to, I'm going to twist it on you. I'm going to go Austin Allen. Fair. But, but I'm talking wide receiver. Okay, if you're going wide out, not tight Pick, end, not, not pass catcher. Don't overthink it. Who's your number one wide receiver going into spring? Torrey's got the best history. Okay, now let's go running back. Who's your number one running back? Step. Yeah, well, or, or right? well, yeah, I, yeah, with, with D1 experience, yes, yes. And you haven't even seen these guys yet. Not in, and red, they, not they, in red. Right? It's, it's a different, look, it's, when you say it's a different era, and you're trying to build a program in this era. So it's it's not only the fact that everybody's on TV now and, you know, the 85 scholarship limit and, you know, you don't have Prop 48 anymore. You know, all these things, all these reasons why Nebraska. You're not you know, dominant in the, car- the Big 12. I mean, it's, yeah, right. Right. All these reasons why Nebraska has its cards stacked against them. Right. Um, the playing field's much more level now. It's not only that, but there's also this this player this sort of like player movement era mm-hmm. where transferring is okay. And, and you can do that with relative ease and you can pick up quality in the transfer portal. You could also pick up garbage in the portal, but you can pick up some good players and Nebraska's getting the creme de la creme in that portal. <laughs> They're getting good guys. They're getting good players. Step and Toure were coveted. Those were not sort of like bottom of the barrel people. So how is that all going to coalesce? How's that all going to come together? I think we could be cautiously optimistic mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to bring it back, right? Like, I don't know. You're getting some dudes. You know, what? everybody you recruit from Florida decides to move back to Florida. You're backfilling pretty well. You're backfilling the, those positions pretty well. You're not. Whereas in the past, Chris, I think like under Riley and, and to a degree under Polini, attrition would happen. It wasn't backfilled. No. Right? You didn't have the, so you didn't you have the portable. On, you didn't have the yeah, portal. You, you didn't have the waiver. Start, right. And so you start overly depending on walk-ons. And all of a sudden, you have some positions that just flat out don't have any depth at all. And now you look at the program, and it's hard to pick a position where you're like, oh, they have no depth. Like, there's able bodies at just about every position. They're backfilling well. They're dealing with this transfer era fairly well. The attrition is concerning, but it's not higher than than the sort of like the the typical Nebraska year, no matter who's coaching. Well, and and that's just it is they they may lose a lot. There may be kind of knee jerk reaction, and this is something Coach Osborne said a couple of weeks ago that you know you're just not used to seeing it. Right? You'll have a uh, a few guys in a recruiting class either not pan out, as in they're not going to start for a season or two or even contribute. I mean, you're going to lose kids in the transfer portal uh, in a normal 
era. You're going to you're going to hit about 50% of your recruiting classes. Nebraska was better than that or what they hit on if you think of the the title runs, look at who they got. And and coach Osmer had always kind of just kind of grin and say, "Yeah, I think we ran into some pretty good players." <laughs> you know, how did the you know, how did you go 60 and 3 in 5 years? Well, we, you know, we were running a great offense. We had an incredible defense, and I think we ran into some pretty good players. <laughs> I mean, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, he did. But but they, you know, Brooke Beringer stayed. He didn't transfer, and and by yeah. the way, he didn't have an opportunity to transfer and not lose a season. Of course, so That's a it's a it, it's a it's a whole new world now, and you know, for Nebraska to make the adjustment like they have and find a Toure or go get an Omar Manning. I know that's Juco, but yeah. but go that route or or be locked in enough to say, you know what, let's add step, which kind of brings us back to spring ball as well. And it, it's really going to be cool to see what happens development-wise at quarterback beyond Adrian this year, right? Because mm-hmm. you've got, you got five weeks to, to, to leave a, a bit of a lasting impression of progress and you know what Nebraska can go win a ball game or have the backup whoever it may be manage a game to victory and you don't have to go out shopping here after uh, May 1st for a quarterback in case Adrian goes down yeah how how is yeah exactly you you wonder how it's going to work out with um why is his name escaping me the kid from Alabama my god the Logan, Logan Smothers yeah, thank you. Jeez. Like, yeah, you wonder how he's going to adjust to to getting more legitimate one reps and to being actually in the being a play away from having to get inserted into the ball game. Or how about guy. Or, or how about getting you know number two reps? I mean, because last year it was yeah. it was Adrian and and and, and Mac. <laughs> yeah. It, well, totally. Uh, and then you also wonder how Christian Harburg, the kid out of Carney uh-huh. Catholic, now sure. athletically, frame wise, there there aren't a lot of people like him. Right, like on the planet, type right. thing. Like he's physically, he is he's different. He goes six five, probably two oh five, two ten. Got track speed. He's he is different, but he's also coming off playing Class C football, mm-hmm. and now he's going. You talk about a jump from high school to college. How's he going to adjust to that? Right, and and that's a and then when I'm saying that I'm we, you just don't know the answer. It could light a fire under him to where that dude is just like on fleek and ready and super aware. And like, it's just bringing out the best of them or it's going to be like, Holy crap, this is so fast. I can't even function. And he might need a couple years. You, you just don't know. Uh, but athletically you got a guy, but just going back to what you were saying, you know, rewind 10 to 15 years, say, you know, Wandale just, just transferred, right? Mm-hmm. A few days later, Nebraska backfills with Samore Torre, top, basically the top wideout in the portal, right? T- ton of uh, ton of accolades at the one double A level. All American, yeah. Yeah, re- rewind ten years ago. Say, um, let's go Wester Camp. Okay. Or, or Wester Camp. No, that's not even ten years ago. Say <laughs> Wester Camp might have might have been, but yeah. Say he ups and leaves. Do, do you do you think you would have been able to backfill? him immediately no it, not, would have not, like, not specifically him because of yeah. how early he played now i'll say this but would you have been able to just pluck a player that is essentially season and game ready like oh western cam's gone no worries 
we'll just bring in this guy who has a ton of experience and is obviously going to is just going to kind of step right in. Mm. Not not that Torre is going to perform exactly like Wandale, but in general, it looks like you're bringing in production and you're doing it really quickly. Mm. And I, I think 10 years ago, that just wasn't possible. No, different, different playing field. Right. And so my point is with, with Frost and this era with the changing landscape of football, there isn't a book on this stuff yet. <laughs> there isn't a book on it. Like they're all trying to figure it out, but it appears Nebraska is as good as anyone at taking advantage of the new kind of like player um, freedom. It's like a it's like a and it's like a feeding ground, right? Or not feeding ground? What do you call it? Like just it's a it's a, it's like a new feeder system. Mm-hmm. Right. And Nebraska's capitalizing on that. As good or better than anybody. It, it's not a revenue stream, but it's it's a it's a talent stream, so to speak. It used to be mm-hmm. JUCO or high school, and yes, you could get the transfer thing worked in, but you didn't know who was going to leave and who was going to stay, and you had a better ability leverage wise because you kids would lose a year, and you probably had a little bit more patience five to seven to ten years ago with kids, a because of that repercussion of losing a year and you've just got a you've got an immediacy that, that's always existed hurry up and i want it now right the microwave society yeah. but it's on full blast right now with kids not being patient enough to let it play out and and, and give yourself a chance to develop it's yeah. a, it's okay that you're not that you're not trevor lawrence Right, because there's only one Trevor Lawrence that that came in six games to his freshman season, and then Clemson took off. Tua yeah. did not start as a true freshman. Mac Jones had to wait forever. Uh, <laughs> Joe Burrow, baby, had had to yeah. leave, and and then by finally his senior year after transferring blew up. Okay, so yeah. it's part of it's on the kids and whoever's in their ear listening to the coaches that, yeah, I'm not BSing you. You're going to be a good player here and there's going to be competition. And I know you're used to getting 40 carries or throwing 50 passes a game. It'll work out. Just hang on. Okay. Let yourself grow and develop because it's not always going to go uh, the way you want it to with a different area code. Amir Abdullah kind of gets into that here coming up with, you know, about attitude and and what, if you do change your location, what's changed about you. So that, that listen is uh, pretty good coming up here with the rewind on Hale varsity weekend. Great Pretty fascinating though, with so much to to get into spring football wise. Uh, When we come back, we'll hear from Amir. And as we move forward this morning, we'll, we'll dive into some more spring thoughts, but uh, you're a you're a happy guy, Cranack. You're getting to go see Nebraska baseball. You get to take the kids. You get to go to a live sporting event. And last thought here with this uh, th- this new uh, option uh, with the the transfer portal, you, you kind of saw it it work out without the free pass in basketball, right? And I go back to Tim Miles, right? I go back to Fred Hoiberg, just as in how did Nebraska kind of get hot early in Tim Miles' run here. Well, they went they went hard with the, the transfer, right? 
They got a Walt Pitchford, yeah. and and they also got a a guy in in, in Petaway that you didn't yeah, know. It's not it's not new. It's not like Hoiberg just showed up with this uh, right. philosophy. Look yeah. look how look how good he was at Iowa State going that route. Now everybody's kind of done that. All right, on on the second time around. That's not new. That's really a staple, quite honestly, in college basketball. You know, do you get uh, do you get the rebound guy? Well, that's kind of what you're looking at now in football. Hmm. Yeah, it's I know, right? But it doesn't seem like it. You don't hear about it talked about as much. It's just, but it's the way of the world in basketball now. Yeah, and, and, there's no and, question. And you've and seen it, it drift into football a little bit. Yeah. Right. So, and it's and it was it. What's interesting though is it appears Nebraska is managing that and dealing with that as well as anybody. They, like they, really, they've they've been proactive with it. That's Mark Cranach, Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr, Weekend Edition, Hale Varsity Radio. A timeout. We'll hear from Amir Abdullah next on Hale Varsity. Now back with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back in the Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Standout, all-conference, all-American. And uh, back with the Vikings, we say hi again to Amir Abdullah. Congrats on re-upping with Minnesota. Uh, that was good. I appreciate the congrats. Um, it's always good to hop on Husky Radio with you guys. Well, it's good to spend some time with you and kind of take me through your mindset, your process here. What what's free agency like? Is it stressful? Is it exciting? How do you deal with the the business side of of the NFL? Uh, it all depends on um, obviously what you did the season before and um, what the market is for your given position every every year. Luckily for me, it's been pretty uh, stressless. I had a good idea of uh, where a few teams viewed me going into free agency. I knew I wanted to be back with um, a team that I was familiar with, at least coaches that I was familiar with. And um, luckily, the Vikings, we've been very successful where coaches have gone to other places and been very successful as well. So my opportunities were a lot more um, vast than in the past. So um, this year, it wasn't as much stress. I just enjoyed it all. Amir Abdullah is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Amir, let's touch on your role, and you kind of do it all. You catch the football, you run the football, and you uh, you do the return thing. And um, when it comes to, to finding your foothold in the NFL, you, you've been able to, to be successful at, at three different levels on, on offense, and it's pretty much about versatility, isn't it, once you get to the next level? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the more you can do, you know, any young player coming into the league, uh, it's going to be definitely a humbling experience understanding that you're going to have to learn everyone else's you know, position before they're going to stretch you to um, go out there and execute. So um, any guy coming out uh, in the years to come, uh, make sure that you're definitely focusing on the bigger scheme, the bigger, the bigger pitchers, um, so to speak. And I think that's what's really helped me um, continue to have success in this league. Amir, take me through some moments you've had to deal with with being humbled because you had a great high school career. You had a phenomenal career at Nebraska. You've had uh, success in the NFL, but everybody at your level is really good, and in your talent also speaks for itself. But it's just di- is it different, or were you prepared for the ups and downs in the league? 
Uh, I mean, I'm just preparing for life, really. You know, I think everything that you do is just um, in alignment with who you are as a person and what, what you can handle. Um, one thing about me, I've always kind of been an underdog. I've always kind of come from a situation where I was doubted. I never really was expected to even be heading into my seventh year in the NFL. So with the ups and downs that I've had with, you know, injuries, starting here, now playing more of a backup role with the Vikings, um, it's all really pretty much the same. You know, all these, all these other things that people like to put on top of it, where, whether is he happy in the situation, is he um, feeling like he's successful in the situation, though that's all for speculation and for, you know, media and the fans to kind of uh, dabble into that subjectivity. You know, it's, it's all really pretty much the same. And um, the good thing about where I am right now is I'm at a place where I'm really valued. I'm at a place where they really want to use me. And um, I'm looking to just continue to build off of that. In my opinion, I can play as long as I still, you know, want to and I enjoy this game. Amir Abdullah with us, Hale Varsity Radio, at Amir Guapo on Twitter. Does it feel like seven years? No, it doesn't. It feels a lot shorter. It feels like a lot shorter. I feel like, uh, especially after I left Detroit, things kind of started to go a lot faster. I'm like, man, like last year I was going into year six, now I'm going into year seven. It just, you know, it doesn't really seem real sometimes, but I'm grateful for it all. Let's talk about the Vikings. I mean, a top 15 offense, uh, good ground game, got a veteran quarterback, good receiving core. You guys were right on the cusp last year uh, of the playoffs. Uh, and it's it's pretty typical to, to have, you know, a couple of NFC North teams that, that make the playoffs. And, uh, you know, the year before you guys were in the postseason. And, you know, what's that fine line like for you week in and week out for the team, I should say, uh, when it comes to, you know, game in, game out uh, in that playoff hunt? Uh, just how, how tight is it uh, week in, week out? Uh, well, the NFC North, in my opinion, is probably one of the tougher divisions that you can play in. You know, obviously the Chicago Bears have a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. So anytime you play them, you're not going to score a lot of points. Um, the same as can be said about the Green Bay Packers, obviously. They made a deep run in the playoffs this mm-hmm. year. And then their offense is just so dynamic. Anytime, you know, you're playing Aaron Rodgers, a guy can, you know, he can have a career day on you at any given moment. And I mean, shoot, man, they're a well-coached defensive club. At least they have been in recent years. So it's never just a walk in the park when you're playing them. And uh, like you said, the Vikings, we have a rich history of winning. And specifically last, specifically last year, I think what really bit us in the butt was injuries. Mm-hmm. Very early, we had a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball, which is where we kind of pride ourselves when we start our identity as a team. And, you know, this year I think we're definitely reloaded. You know, we added a couple guys in the um, the defensive backfield that I think is going to be helpful. Patrick Peterson, who's, you know, obviously still one of the best corners probably in this last, in this recent decade, you know, to play this game. Um, we're, we're returning guys like Anthony Barr. We had some pretty big sign, signs at defensive tackle. So, you know, Mike Zimmer is a big guy. who's a guy who prides himself on tough defenses. So, just we um, – Establishing that I think is important and offensively just building off of what we you know we kind of did last year. Like you said, we're a top 15 offense. We have, in my opinion, probably 
one of the most talented backfields in the league with, you know, myself, Dalvin, and Alex Madison. And um, just, you know, building off that run game, we when you got to the rookie last year, Justin Jefferson, he pairs up nicely with Adam Thielen. We have some young tight ends who are looking to step up with the absence of um, Kyle Rudolph now. So, I mean, just, just rounding off a couple things with our team, I'm really confident. I'm sure that um, we'll definitely have everything ready in terms of talent. But I think what speaks louder about our team is we love to work. We love to improve. And everyone's really hungry to um, reach that next level. Was it super strange to deal with COVID-2020 for you? With, with sometimes there'd be fans, some games there wouldn't be. How did you, or, or did it matter? Were you just kind of tunnel vision? No, it actually was. I, I would love to be that person to say, no, I was just focused on me. But I, I do. I feed off the crowd. I feed off the energy. Obviously, going to a university like the University of Nebraska, which every game has been sold out since 1962, it, it's really important to um, have that kind of atmosphere to ride off the emotions of the game. And when you don't have that, um, it does kind of force you to channel a different level of focus and um you know, pretty much motivate yourself in other ways. But that was, that was extremely um, different. Hopefully this year that won't be the case. But, you know, if so, at least we now have a year under our, our, our belts where we do have experience with that. We know that, you know, you got to bring your own juice on game day. You hear that, bringing your own juice, easier said than done. And, you know, I want to go back to Nebraska for a moment, Amir Abdullah with this. Is there a moment, probably several, but is there a game I should ask, uh, that that really you remember the crowd influencing influencing you and your energy level. Is there a yeah. game that that really kind of you you're usually at a level ten, but it went to to twelve uh, because of that juice? Yeah, for sure. I definitely say 2014 against Miami. Um, that that was a game that was highly anticipated. Obviously, the rivalry between Nebraska and Miami in the 90s. And, even in the early 2000s, obviously they were they beat us last time and we played them prior to that time. Um, and just you know the legends coming back from the 90s, uh, just giving us pep talks, really just giving us the history of you know what this game kind of means. Even though the implications weren't the same as they were in the 90s, but those being championship games at the time, it definitely felt like a championship game. I, I honestly in my entire career in football don't remember a single game where I felt more pressure, but it wasn't pressure in terms of like a fear of not, you know, living up to an expectation. It was more of just like a a inner fire to really prove the doubters wrong because, you know, it was a lot of things my senior year being compared to Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, a lot of the top backs in the league in the country. It was my first time to really be on national TV where everyone was watching, and it was an opportunity to really show what kind of brand the football in Nebraska likes to play with the snatch mouth at the time, you know, running right at you. And, you know, I consider myself the best back in the league that in the country that year. And I just remember that game. Every carry just meant so much to me, and I really felt the crowd behind me, you know, always supporting like the Nebraska faithful always does. So I'll definitely say 2014 against Miami was one that I would never forget. I can almost remember like every carry that game. And I can't say that for every game I played. Amir, there was like blood in the water for Nebraska fans that, you know, leading up to that kickoff that night yeah. game because of 
the uh, I'm gonna uh, the, the dislike for all the years Miami would either put a hurting on Nebraska during an Orange Bowl or you know the heartbreak for for the uh, the, the '80s national championship t- uh, chase in, in '84 in the '83 season. But you went for 200 yards plus that game, man, and it was. I remember sitting down with you the week before and and growing up a lot of you and your teammates I mean you love Nebraska but one of the programs I remember talking to you in Des Moines and and there was a lot of guys your age uh, that that grew up watching you I mean that was one of the teams guys honed in on correct oh my goodness yeah man like Willis Gay Clint Portis like just just going back looking at the richest history of Miami um I'm really hoping that, you know, University of Nebraska and Miami, for the sake of college football, can really return to that kind of dominance because it, it, it really it made college football that much better. And you can have those two pillars moving at, you know, the pace that they were back in those days. It really shakes up the country. You know, obviously, Clemson and Alabama, they kind of run, you know, the, the, the tide of things in college, you know, recently. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, just really getting back to that, that, that pure, consistent winning and the prestige is, I, I think, something that a lot of fans on both sides, Miami and Nebraska, are looking forward to. Amir, uh, with your time at Nebraska, tell me a little bit about uh, your your preparation and the competition uh, in that running back room, and and how it was, and what it was like to play for Coach Brown uh, as as your position coach. Man, I, I think timing is everything, and I had the opportunity to go to West Virginia or Nebraska for running back. And at the time, I was a really big Noel Devine fan. Sure. Just passed on from um, West Virginia, and they pretty much promised me that I would start from day one. And um, when Coach Brown was recruiting me, you know, Rex Burkhead was the starter. And not only that, I was only like a two-star recruit, and they had already had commitments from Aaron Green, who. I think he was like the second later back in the country. Then Braylon Hurd, who was a late um, qualifier from the year prior. He was, year prior, he was like a top 10 running back in the country. So it was really no guarantees that I was really going to crack the field, you know. But um, just watching Rex Burkhead and watching how they worked and how he taught, he was always a universal teacher. Everything that he did, you can take from the game of football and apply it to life. And I, I just felt like I, I would definitely gain a lot more in my experience there than I would anywhere else just playing the you know, position of running back. And um, I couldn't have made a better decision coming in, uh, being behind Rex, someone who always led by example. You know, anyone asked me about Rex Burkhead, he's a man of very few words, man. Like, Rex probably said a total of 30 words to me through his three years with me at Nebraska, you know. But um, anytime he was out there playing, he spoke volumes because – he did the little things. He passed through. If someone else was catching the ball, he was hustling downfield to get a block for him. And, of course, when he had the ball in his hand, he maximized every single rep that he had. And just having a leader like that in front of me to kind of show me the ropes, how to work, how to take care of your body, how to deal with Nebraska fans, because that's another thing, man. You know, when you're in Nebraska and you're the guy running the football, the main guy throwing the ball, there are a lot of distractions. There are a lot of guys trying to tell you how good you are, how, you know, how great you are, but... Um, I think the running back position at Nebraska is one that comes with a lot of power. And if you know how to definitely um, navigate and use that, it'll be to your benefit. But it can also break you down as well, as you can see with some, some past history examples that guys didn't handle that spotlight as well. 
So um, just going back to Coach Brown, he's a guy that I still stay in contact with today. He, he congratulated me last year when I re-signed with the Vikings, and you know I'm sure I'll talk to him pretty soon. He's a guy who's become like a life, you know, lifelong friend for me. As opposed to just, you know, someone coaching me for a couple of years. Amir Abdul is with us at Amir Guapo on Twitter, re-upping with the Vikings. Amir, year four for Coach Frost in Nebraska. Pretty heavy schedule in front of them. A lot of excitement, a lot of anticipation. Uh, are you looking forward to, to following Nebraska? Do you get a chance to do that much? I do. I try, I try to keep up with Nebraska as much as possible. This year was different because I had no clue what was going on. Right. I didn't know when, when things were playing with COVID and everything, but hopefully things can be more on schedule this year because it's part of my routine. Like, watch Nebraska Saturday before I play on Sunday and, you know, talk to all my guys, Kenny Bell, Will Compton, Josh Mitchell, Toby Okiuni, we all, we're all, Nate Gary, we all in, um, a group chat, Quentin, no one, Tariq Allen. I can't leave them out or they'll be mad at me. I got to make sure I get everybody in <laughs> But, um, you know, we always talk about, you know, the stirs on Saturday before I go out and play on Sundays. And um, I'm always, I'm a believer in South Rock, man. I'm a believer. I know we had a lot of transfers, but I think, um, I think adversity reveals a lot in, in, in people, you know. It's just some people who, you know, they have adversity and they're willing to stick through it. And, you know, some people feel like, you know, other alternatives may be best for them. And it's not to say that they're right or wrong with whatever decision they make, but they have to make that decision. And, you know, unfortunately, there were a lot of transfers that obviously were, you know, talented players from Nebraska. But life goes on, and I think Scott Frost would do well, you know, from this point on. Does that kind of blow you away, seeing this transfer portal with the thousands of kids that are checking out uh, greener pastures, they hope, anyway, and uh, they, it's it's free to do as we speak? And uh, Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think any any kid who wants to achieve his dream should, should never have this, this path impeded. You know, if they mm-hmm. want to go somewhere else to uh, fulfill that destiny or whatever they see for themselves, let them do it. But at the same time, I think there should also be an understanding that the grass isn't always greener and life is exactly what you make it. You know, mm-hmm. just because you go somewhere else, doesn't mean it's going to be any different if your attitude hasn't changed, if your work ethic hasn't changed, if how you are, you know, as a person, how you treat people hasn't changed. And, you know, in due time, everyone learns that lesson eventually. Uh, I just hope that, you know, anyone who does transfer, they're doing it for, you know, the right reason of why. Um, and they intend to take a, a different approach to wherever they're going. And I definitely wish them the best. Amir, you've been so active in, in the community in, in, uh, when you were with Detroit, uh, I think of Flint, and all the work you did to make sure folks uh, had the opportunity for, for clean water, and you really were vocal with that. Uh, what have you been able to do in the community of, of Minneapolis when it comes to, to your role, your stage, your, your, uh, your voice uh, for, for folks in the Twin Cities? Sure. Um, well, I'm the leader of our social justice committee with the Vikings, and this is a pretty new committee um, in the wake of everything that you know obviously took place mm-hmm. last year. But what has been going on for decades with you know police brutality and just educating people and bringing awareness to the matter is uh, mainly my responsibility, but also carrying out uh, conversations on the behalf of the players in the locker room. They chose me to be the representative where. We have conversations with the police chiefs and other politicians in the city to see how we can actually reform things and make things a lot more systematically fair for all people. 
Amir Abdullah with us. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Back at it, Hour 2 at Tail Varsity Radio Weekend, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach. Damon Barr, we welcome in managing editor with HaleVarsity.com and magazine. Brandon Vogel, author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion, at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, what's up? How's your Saturday treating you? Have you uh, made your way back uh, this direction to attend a live sporting event so you can uh, bump elbows with Cranach later today? <laughs> I have not. That's, that sounds pretty good, though. Um, my Saturday is going fine. I have I have no plans to take in live, live sporting events. I don't even remember. I mean, I was at the Purdue and Ohio State games to, to cover those games, but the last sporting event I went to just to go and enjoy a sporting event might have been 2019, which is... Uh... Bogues, do we have you, my friend? I'm sorry. What was that? No, okay, uh, you, you dropped out for a moment, but no, 2019 is kind of the number I came up with too. And and Cranach's going to be like, <laughs> I'm at a I'm at a baseball game and you're not. Uh, so Cranach, you're going to get on your phone and take pictures, I assume, later today at, at Haymarket. Oh man, there will be so many fleets on Twitter. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do the fleets, but yeah, I'm and I'm going to try actually not to worry too much about the devices yeah. you know and just like actually sit there and watch the game so that's um, code for Cranach will be on the monkey bars out in right field later <laughs> let's do it let's do it need to get a workout in um yeah brandon so yeah it goes back to 2019 uh the last time do we have any insight yet on what if anything will trigger increased attendance at the spring game because right now they say 50 percent, but then moose has hinted at 75 do we know what the do we know what the um i don't know what the decision maker will be there no not yet i i think the big 10 may have finally realized uh to just let the let we're at a point where we can let local uh any local restrictions or decisions take precedence. And, and I mean, even I think for outdoor events, the, uh, the, the capacity is higher than what Nebraska is actually allowing, which I think is a smart way to start for, for Nebraska. You know, it's going to take a little while to uh, do this with, you know, just the, the new ticketing, the extra things you have to do just to get any fans in the stadium. So I'm really thinking it might be, assuming nothing changes too much on, you know, COVID rates locally, it, it might just be the comfort level of the university with their game day processes again, because it's been a year for them too, you know, since they've had to do this at scale with fans in the stands. Vogues, uh, to, to go into that, that comfort mindset, as we get close to spring football starting Thursday, what areas of Nebraska football are you comfortable with going in? Um, there's, there's not a ton that jumps to mind. I mean, I think 
I think the big one, and this will be the story all offseason long, is, is defensively they've made, you know, slow but steady progress on there, kind of season to season. Um, something that you, you don't see when you flip around and look at some of the offensive numbers. And with getting the key guys back that they did, I think expectation level is going to be pretty high there. Um, so you feel pretty good about, or at least I feel pretty good about what the defensive line did last year in a year where, you know, maybe the expectation was a little bit dulled just based on what they lost. That's a pretty good group. I think the linebackers are encouraging. And then defensive backs, they've got a lot of young talent there, but they're, they're still getting three starters back. So, Overall, defensively, I think is the greatest source of that. The most intriguing part of this to me remains the offensive line. I, I felt really good about that group. It didn't quite get to where I thought it could. So can they this year? I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't know where to go with that. So a lot of my questions lie on the offensive side of the ball. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio. And on the offensive side of the ball, it's kind of strange to say, but if I say – who is the number one receiver coming into spring? Don't overthink it. Just who's the number one receiver coming into spring? Um, I know who popped into your head. <laughs> probably Toure. You could, if, like, uh-huh. if you really wanted to be like indie rock guy, and you'd be like, oh, here, here's a band you've never heard of. You could maybe <laughs> go. Uh, you could maybe choose Oliver Martin. Like we didn't see a ton of him, and obviously he couldn't play right away. Um, but I think he has a chance to be a pretty pretty solid contributor. But, yeah, it's uh, – I mean, Xavier Best was encouraging in small doses, but it's probably a guy we haven't seen play, seen play at Nebraska yet. And no matter who it is, it's a guy we haven't seen play much. Uh-huh. And then I'm going to ask you that same question. Who's your number one running back coming in? I know who it is. Uh, <laughs> I, might, I might go with Marvin Sanders, but I'm, I'm going to guess you want me to uh, to take step. So See, I can well, get that. Right. And the point being, you've written extensively about Nebraska's attrition rate and how it's sort of true, regardless of coach, regardless of year. It's just, you know, in that 35, 40% range. So then the skill and the ability to backfill becomes really, really important. Something that in the Riley and uh, to a degree in the Riley and definitely in the Bow era, transfer market was not really a thing. It was it was just too hard. Now it is. So when you rate Nebraska's ability to backfill, maybe compared to some others, how would you assess their ability to do that? Um. Well, the honest answer is incomplete at this point because while I'm, I'm encouraged on those guys. I, I I need to see it, and some of their others. Like if we're lumping junior college in here, um, so far Nebraska's had a mixed track record on that front. But even if we're not, you know, we just haven't seen enough. But it but it is interesting because it's a totally new pathway where you know you could always get transfers, um, but now you have the chance to immediately address. A need, uh, whether that's via attrition or graduation, um, you do have the opportunity to immediate, immediately address it. And in, ter- in terms of Toure, like you don't want to put too much on it, but however he plays this year, you know that, that has the chance to to really 
really impact this season. I mean, if you look at this roster without him or without a guy like him, which by all accounts, one of the two or three or four top receivers that was probably quote unquote on the market, um, man, things get, get a little bit dark there, at least for me, in terms of the expectations I feel I could fairly have for this team. So they, they did a good job of, of getting two guys that should help, that have played, played some football and are pretty talented. So good job so far in 2021. Brandon Vogel's with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Uh, great stuff from Vogue's uh, in the latest issue of Hail Varsity. Get uh, your subscription and bundle that up, digital and print, 855-3-HUSKER-HAILVARSITY.COM backslash subscribe. And Vogue's, you dove in to the attrition part that, as you know, Cranach uh, has touched on, really extensive into the numbers. It's not just a, you know, a Nebraska problem, it's a college football problem. Now, how do you how do you deal with kind of a new normal with the, this transition? But one problem that's been ongoing for Nebraska has been the the in state talent number. There, there's always kids that can play and develop into good football players uh, from all corners of the state, but you're seeing a higher number of of blue chip kids and as we look at this 2022 class you've got Ernest Hausman sweet but there's four other dudes that don't sound or look like they're going to be locked in on Nebraska right Uh, so uh, you have that uh, that that numbers game that Nebraska fans aren't used to and it's hard to to swallow but it's it's more common that some kids will go out of state just because there's just a different feel or vibe with a lot of the kids. Now, Frost has done, if you look at percentages, a pretty good job of keeping, you know, scholarship guys here uh, with, with since he stepped foot on campus, right? I mean, he's 13 out of 17 or something like that. But the other topic of affinity here, and, you know, when it comes to reversing that trend, kids growing up wanting to play for Nebraska like Ernest Hausman, um, you know, what are we talking about here? Is it as simple as, you know, winning the West one year and, and poof, it reverses the trend of kids maybe not being diehard Nebraska fans, or is it going to take a sustained period of, of wins in, in contention for, uh, and I'm not saying all kids aren't Nebraska fans, but it's just it's just different now, right? Because they, they didn't grow up with what all three of us got to watch as kids. Yeah, I I think that's kind of the key to keep in mind here throughout this is it is just different now. So I do, I do think winning would help, you know, if, mm-hmm. if Nebraska got to the point where it was UCF coming off of 2017, which like, Oh, Hey, this looks like a ton of fun. We're going to put up a ton of points and we're going to win. Um, you know, if it starts to feel like feel that way, I think you would get a little bit more of a, of a foot in the door with some of these guys who, you know, for whatever reason, might just be like, you know, I, I want to go to college someplace else. Like I've lived here my whole life and that's fine. I think the thing that you're going to battle now that, that you didn't in 1990 or, you know, much less earlier than that is that the world just seems smaller. You're connected to everything. Like it's very, very easy to keep up with, whatever football program you're interested in as, as a kid growing up. And it doesn't have to be the one that's closest to you. And I think you're just going to, you know, that's just kind of a fact of reality now. So 
you're probably gonna you're probably gonna lose more guys, um, and, and it, it goes the other way too. Like coaches are able to be way more aware of players than than they were in, in previous eras. So you see Michigan and um, some of these schools who you didn't didn't see often in Nebraska making offers to Nebraska kids. Now that almost feels like par for the course for the top three or four prospects in the state each year. Yeah, and it's it's important that you keep recruiting them though because. Like we were just talking about, the transfer portal is a thing. And if those guys go off, you know, a thousand miles away, the percentages say they might come back, <laughs> right? Like, honestly, you have to keep tabs on those guys, don't you? You, you really do. And, and there's so, yes, you've got to you've got to be in early on those guys to, I think, start building that relationship. And I mean, it, it would be interesting to look at in, in with the transfer portal, which is like such a massive information at this point that it, it's hard to even dig into it, but I, I would guess for those players, you know, maybe even if you limited it to power five, and this is just a guess, I haven't looked at it, but I would guess that the most often transfer direction is back home or at least back closer to home. Um, and, you know, we, we saw a lot of times in the previous, well, our current era until the NCAA changes this where, you know, that's the justification for <laughs> getting to play right away. You can maybe try to come up with an appeal but I think even without that, even if, you know, one year or one year, one time transfer where you're immediately eligible, I still think you'd see guys go close, closer to home for those guys who did go elsewhere right away. So yeah, for those, those players that Nebraska may miss out on, hopefully you at least made a good impression because two, three years down the line, who knows what happened. You got to keep the, uh, the bridge intact, right? If you get spurned on the front end, uh, don't lose out potentially a second time on the back end if kids look to to go other places. And, you know, with the position battle that is going to happen, uh, we, we look at some spots here. You've got the opposite cornerback spot, uh, Cam Taylor-Britt. Uh, you have the, the opposite outside linebacker spot of JoJo Doman. And then we've got the backup quarterback spot, uh, and and you may be called upon. You know, what are you wanting to see? I want to go quarterback with you here, Vogues, from Logan. Uh, we've not seen anything. We know he's a tough dude. We know he's fast. We know he was very successful at a really good football state in Alabama. We also know he didn't get a normal uh, growth and development phase when he got here early last year because of COVID. So... You know, what What can you do on your own if you're a, a backup quarterback? And then what type of growth can you see repetition-wise here in these next five weeks to not only if you're uh, Mario or, or Lubick or Frost, but, you know, bigger picture, uh, what, what can you do to see what you need to see to feel good about him behind center? I, I think for him, the, the best situation for Nebraska, you know, coming out of the spring is Logan's mother's needs to to look like a pretty talented freshman, which will mean you're still going to have to live with some freshman stuff, even though you know he's not a redshirt. But tech, he has the advantages of being a redshirt mm-hmm. freshman practically. Um, so that means you know that means probably being in the in the hunt being a guy who could push Adrian, you know, so where it's, it's not a necessarily slam dunk decision, but I think the best scenario for Nebraska is, you know, 
it's it's tough to unseat a guy who's played as much football as Adrian, and he, and he finished strong uh, in, mm-hmm. in 2020, which was a really good response from him. So if, if Logan's mother pushes him and you see some of – because, I mean, the, the kind of behind-the-scenes praise for Smothers was, was really, really strong – really all year long, and I think it'll continue to be strong this spring. I think he's a really talented guy. For Nebraska as a football team, best scenario is, is like, yep, we see it. Like, there's a lot of promise here. It's just tough to beat a three-year starter effectively. And if Nebraska has that in 2021, I think they'd be in pretty good shape from from quarterback perspective. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, real quick, let's go to, to Pro Day. And, um, you know, DiCaprio Boodle reminds me a lot of Fabian Washington, you know, Florida Florida kid that comes here, sticks it out. Fabian, Fabian had a good career at Nebraska. I wouldn't call him great, but he ran his way into being a, a, a high draft pick because of his time. Uh, and then Boodle just turns into sub 4-4, which ultimately means he'll just get more – looks right like people were just like wait who's that guy let's go back and watch tape brandon i think he has a chance to to rise um because he's not look he's not your interception playmaker guy his size isn't great but he plays bigger than than his size would would indicate i think he's physical i mean well exactly that was that was where i was going to go like you compare him like he is not a problem in run support that dude has no problem coming up, blowing up blocks and hitting people like at all. Do, do you think he has a chance to, to slip in there as fifth, sixth, seventh rounder? After pro day, I think he, he's got a, a slim chance to do that. Like he, he's definitely going to get uh, an opportunity to, to show what he can do. And I, I actually think, you know, when you look at the speed, you look at the athleticism, all of the things you just mentioned, but he was a guy who basically showed up in Nebraska and, and played for four years. And, you know, DiCaprio's he's always been one of the most like thoughtful and engaging people. He's just a, a good teammate and he's a good person to have on your football team. And, you know, he's a guy, well, everybody in the NFL basically has to play special teams, but he's not the kind of guy where you worry about that. Like you're right. He, he's not a day one or day two cornerback. Um, a guy you put out there, he's just like, there's their best receiver. Have at it. Have a good Sunday. But he's just a really, really solid football player um, and a really good teammate. And I think for that reason, he'll probably hang around for a bit. Um, get drafted might still be a little bit of a stretch, but I, I expect we'll see him play in the next couple of years. Vogues, I was intrigued by your indie rock reference. And um, were you a a sunny day real estate or ween guy back in the college indie rock era that, that Cranach and I also roamed. <laughs> Neither of those were like high, high on my list. That first sunny day You're real estate being album kind is, to me. It's still, <laughs> it's still, it's still a classic. Um, ween, uh, white pepper. I, I really enjoyed. Uh, yes, same. And they did the country record too. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. They had the golden, the golden, country gr- record. golden grades. Right. Yep. Yeah. So it, it wasn't a band that I ever like consistently sought out, but when I did listen to Ween, I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. There's some, there's something going on here. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm familiar with both of those. They, they don't make my playlist regularly, but those are good picks. Okay, if Nebraska is an indie rock band, who are they? 
Um, <laughs> You're like, oh, we're breaking up here. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, Wesley right. Willis. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to think of... I'm drawing a blank. There's got to be a band that... There was one I just saw the other day, and I'm, 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 it's not coming to me. But I was like, oh, this band's back. Um, oh, you know who it was? So this was, this was like a crazy one. This was like post strokes when every kind of group of scuzzy white dudes was like the next strokes. Um, I don't know if you ever heard the band, the coral, they had like one song. I just saw that they put out an album like last week. And I was like, I haven't thought about this band in 20 years. I had no idea. I would have bet all of my money that they no longer exist. Yet here they are. I guess this isn't painting a great picture of Nebraska. <laughs> um, um, yeah, that's kind of what it reminds me of. Well, I mean, they're trying to recapture what they once had. So that's where I was trying to go with this very convoluted uh, comparison. I appreciate you playing along because you and I can jam to some white pepper. <laughs> that's that's the one it's the one like group of four songs that worked on the airplane ride home because my phone's a piece of crap. Uh, so, yeah, there we go. Vogues, have a great weekend, man. Fire up the smoker, fire up the grill, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for the time. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Brandon. Ah, a little care in you uh, flashback, Cranach. Oh, yeah, man. Those were the days, huh? Those were the days. Wesley Willis. There was another, oh, God, I can't remember the band. Neil Obermeyer would know. Yeah, we Neil's. probably tweeted him. We should, yeah, give Neil but a it was shout. Guy, it was two-for-one coupon. It was like this kind of quasi comedian singer guy. Okay. And he had a whole song about, you know, trying to convince this girl to, to go on a date with him because he has a two for one coupon. <laughs> As though that was like, you remember that song? I, I don't. Did you have to play that song? I, I, you know. You probably had to play it. What about Japan Cakes? Yeah, I remember that. Remember, Japan Cakes had a 16 minute song. Oh, if, you so need, you're the, if you had a bad burrito the night before, you just right. put that bastard on repeat twice and you survived. <laughs> When you have the DJ shift, yeah. and you're just not feeling it. No, or or it was Japan cakes time, or the bender the night before. Yeah, that was nice. And now the Japan cakes. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. And then all 17 people listening in the dorms are like, "You're that, garbage." That was yeah, yeah. What do you want to hear? Uh, you falling from a third story window? <laughs> I know. So we'll uh, run down Gary Sharp, the Iron Horses next. Cranack, I know you're off to, to youth baseball. Yes, sir. Uh, tell your little man to be money at the, at the hot corner. That's right. Or he's no son of mine. <laughs> That's wrong. Uh, and enjoy baseball today, Cranack. Appreciate you much, man. All right, man. We'll talk soon. There he is. Mark Cranack, uh, Gary Sharp next on Hale Varsity. Early to rise with Hale Varsity Radio. The voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back with your weekend edition, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. At Damon Barr, two R's. Cranach off to youth baseball. And uh, despite uh, Cranach's growl, he's a very loving and supportive father. I would put money down on that. So if uh, his little one has an error at third today, 
it's not going to be youth baseball coach Twitter, uh, Casey, going off on his kid. Uh, we welcome in uh, Gary Sharp, the Iron Horse. Sharpie, I got a kick out of uh, our little exchange last weekend. You were on a little bit of a breather. I was on a, a bit of a breather. You were by the ocean. I was in the desert. But, man, the sun felt good, didn't it? It did. And I apologize for uh, stopping the uh, Ironman streak last week, but... Uh... It was a good time to uh, get away, and now uh, the sun hasn't come back out since either one of uh, either one of us have returned to Nebraska. So uh, there's something wrong here. Uh, chalk that up to, to being on us, I guess. We'll get into a, a lot of things, Gary. But your reaction here, I just saw on Twitter that Howard, Howard Schnellenberger passed away, 87 years old. Uh, Howard Schnellenberger, the, the legendary coach that, that built Miami, that brought a lot of heartache to Nebraska fans as Nebraska lost that 84 Orange Bowl, 31-30. The old helicopter entrance by uh, Coach Snellenberger for the press conference of the uh, the Orange Bowl uh, that I think quite honestly torqued Coach Osborne. But he built Louisville. He spent a year at Oklahoma and then Florida Atlantic. And, And I know you've had... Uh, a few conversations in your career with Howard, with Coach Schnellenberger. I remember uh, the guy had the best Southern gentleman deep yeah. voice uh, ever when when we interviewed him for the Florida Atlantic uh, Nebraska showdown many years back. But man, uh, one of one of the 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 true um, innovators and and builders of college football is is gone. Yeah, you're absolutely right on all those things you said, Schmidt. You know. That voice, that Captain Kangaroo, uh, he, yes. he was he was a guy, if you look at, there's really three programs that he built that he turned around, Miami, Louisville, and Florida Atlantic. And, you know, the Oklahoma thing didn't go so well, and it seemed like an odd fit when mm-hmm. he was hired at Norman. Um, but there's somebody that loved the game of football. And, you know, the thing he did at Florida Atlantic, and that's where I, I kind of got to know him a little bit more, um, because over in Boca Raton, when they were building that program, you know, he was the head coach, and he actually, because of him, he raised a ton of money privately, and they built a really, really nice on-campus stadium, which at the top level of the stadium, you're looking right into the Atlantic Ocean. And, you know, then he became athletic director. So he was heavily involved in college athletics, and he had a huge impact on college football. And, you know, people at Miami will never forget if it's not, if Howard Schnellenberger is not there, the Miami football program doesn't take off like it did. And you know, in the thirty for thirty on Miami football, he is featured prominently, and he should be. You know, it, his his thing that'll be the most remembered for will be what he did against Nebraska in the '83 Orange Bowl. But you look throughout his career, and it's not only college football; it's also in the NFL. Here's a guy that does not have the credentials that they require to get into the College Football Hall of Fame, but he should be in the College Football Hall of Fame. What a what a generous person and a loss for the uh, sport of football and the sport of athletics today. Well, and, and he was a right-hand guy to Bear Bryant. He was a right-hand guy to Don Shula. I mean, and then he finally got his, his crack at it. The thing I get a kick out of, and, and we've run across so many coaches and stories and little their own knack for, for being able to have an in with that player. And you, you're right about Miami. They don't have football because without Howard flipping it around, they probably drop football in the, in the late seventies. Uh, and think about the quarterbacks he, he hauled in. We're talking Jim Kelly, Bernie Kosar, uh, Vinny Testaverde. I mean, all those great U quarterbacks 
but he he went to the USFL and and you know Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy Johnson took over, but he'd always leave on air quote accident his corn cob pipe <laughs> behind in a recruit's living room, so he'd have to go back and get it, and he'd get a second visit right after Lou Holtz or Osborne or Switzer were leaving the living room. Yeah, he was a great storyteller. You know, we're we're we don't have as many characters in the game of college football, but. He definitely was a character. He was an innovator, and uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of great tributes to him. Um, I will say one quick story. So when he was at Oklahoma, I just happened to uh, – I think I followed – I think John Baylor was doing the Iowa State-Nebraska volleyball match. Okay. And so he said, do you want to go along? And I said, yeah, what the heck, but let's go to the, let's go to the Iowa State-Oklahoma game. And so we got a – we couldn't get a seat in the press box, but they gave us the sideline access. So we went and stood on the Oklahoma sideline. And, you know, he was, he was one of the guys that wore a sport coat on the mm-hmm. sidelines. And he did that at, uh, at Oklahoma. And his wife was on the sidelines. And I'm like, all right, who is this lady? Well, she had this huge gold medallion of an OU football helmet. And it was real gold. Oh, wow. And she was right there on the sidelines giving it to the officials and giving it to the players. And, <laughs> you know, we got to stand next to Howard as he was coaching the game and yeah, it was quite the uh, quite the treat. He's he's a great interview, great storyteller, and and you know what he he has left a legacy in this sport that will live on for a long time. Whether you're in South Florida, uh, Louisville, Norman, Oklahoma, or just a fan of college football. My two favorite people, JB and Sharpie, on the loose in Norman. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, you know what he did when he moved to when he moved to Norman again. I, I think it was a. That was a bad experience uh, for you know, everybody. When he, was, yeah. when he was at OU, when they played Nebraska, I mean that was at the low point. Nebraska just crushed him. Uh, he put up goalposts in his backyard in Norman. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, I can I can believe that. Sharpie, a uh, uh, kid you've covered for a number of years, made his decision Friday morning. Hunter Salas is off to Gonzaga. Uh, Gonzaga's uh, a high flying program. The fit seems real, but Gonzaga seemed pretty on point and transparent with expectations and reality for the next level with Hunter Salas, your reaction to one of the, one of the best we've, we've seen in a while uh, in the state of Nebraska. He is, he is off to go do his thing here next season. Well, it's an amazing uh, thing. If you, if you look at the program from Spokane, Washington, where they were seven, eight years ago to where they are today, where ironically they'll play Creighton tomorrow in the Sweet 16, and Gonzaga is a heavy favorite to win a national title and go unbeaten, um, and they're a perennial Sweet 16 team, is they, they walked into the state of Nebraska, and they beat out Creighton, they beat out Kentucky, they beat out North Carolina, they beat out Kansas, and I think there's a lot of factors here. I'm not surprised that he chose Gonzaga. Look, at, they've been in the Midwest. They got Jalen Suggs out of the Twin Cities. Chet Holmgren, who is the number one player in the country, is from the Twin Cities, and more likely he's going to say yes. To Gonzaga. Mark Few builds up relationships, and Hunter was able to take an official visit out there and fell in love with the program and had built up a long-time relationship with their coaching staff, and he trusted their coaching staff. Um, you know, and they, you look, and why, why wouldn't you go there? People will say, well, look at the conference you play in. Well, they're not a mid-major program. Uh, they do play in a conference that is not great, but still has a couple of teams every year. But they make up for that by playing this incredible non-conference schedule. If you want to win and you want to go to the league, why not go there with a coach that you don't have to worry about if he's leaving or not, or if somebody from the FBI is on campus investigating the program. So great choice for him. I'm happy for him. 
Uh, it's the, the highest rated recruit that Gonzaga has ever gotten. But if I would have told you, Schmitty, seven, eight years ago, that Gonzaga would come into Nebraska and get a five-star McDonald's All-American to come play for them, you would have told, them, you told me I'm crazy probably from two things. One, that it would be Gonzaga, and two, that the state of Nebraska would have a five-star McDonald's All-American, but that's where we're at. I'm happy for Hunter. They got a great uh, kid on and off the floor. Gary Sharp's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio Weekend. Sharpie, uh, let's go to Pro Day, some Nebraska football thoughts. We're going to take on spring ball here in a moment, but your uh, your reaction to uh, to not only Boodle, but Farniak, Hymas, Mills, Stoll, kind of ballpark, uh, your takeaways here. Are, are you a guy that, that feels, all right, Nebraska will have two guys picked, or is it at best one? I mean, where, where are you at? We got we to gotta ways yet till the draft, obviously, but uh, that was a chance to showcase for those guys. Well, I think it's uh, this would be the day we'd probably be looking at, I think, in five weeks. Um, Boodle running. I think put himself in front of more teams to have conversations and interviews. And he's a guy that's easy to root for. You know, he grinded at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the last two years, he played nearly every single snap, and he played against some of the best wide receivers in all of the Big Ten and, and held his own. So I'm, I'm excited for him. I think he's still a little bit undersized, but that speed will open the door for teams to go, hmm, is he a guy that we could look at in the draft? Um, Farniak really impressed me. Those were good numbers that he put up. Hymas, you know, you would have liked to see him run the 40. Um, Hymas is going to have to have some explaining to do in interviews with stuff he did at the Senior Bowl and the practices in the game. Uh, he struggled a little bit there. But his versatility that he could play tackle, center, or guard, I think will bode well for him. I could see two Nebraska players getting drafted. It's, I, it's interesting that this was supposed to be the Adrian Martinez pro day. Mm-hmm. This was supposed to be the day that Adrian was off to the NFL and he was going to wow people, and he's still on campus getting ready for his fourth year as a starting quarterback. It, I think Nebraska gets two drafted. I think the other guys you mentioned have a really good chance to end up in a training camp. You know, Stoll has, uh, I think he put up a good number in terms of his speed. And then Dedrick Mills. You know, Dedrick Mills will show up in a, as an undrafted free agent, and he'll work hard to, to uh, try and make it difficult to cut him. But I, I like Boodle and Hymas to get drafted. But I, I was glad that Decap said he was going to run well, and then he went out and ran well, because that would be one of the top times for his position group at the Combine if there was a Combine this year. Gary Sharps with his Sharpie. Spring ball gets going Tuesday. Coach Frost will, will speak to all of us. Uh, on Monday, and then, of course, uh, Coach Lubick and Coach Janander and a few uh, few players. So that's awesome. Uh, post-practices, there'll be an opportunity to, to be down there and check things out, and, and maybe even uh, – uh, well, and, and there'll be open practices for the first few minutes eventually. So all of that, you know, kind of brings us back to some normalcy. Uh, I know uh, it's fantastic that fans are, are, are allowed back, and that got kicked off yesterday with a long line into Haymarket. For spring ball, are you more zeroed in on the the offensive position questions? Do you have some defensive matters you're concerned about? What are you, I guess, top of the list here for Sharpie is what with this spring? What, what are you most interested in, in finding things out about? Well, I, I think the defense we know a lot about. Um, I'm curious to see who will win that middle linebacker spot next to Honus. Uh, what kind of de- depth will develop along the defensive line, which I think is in a good spot. Uh, who will be opposite Doman at outside linebacker? So you have some questions, and then you build some depth 
in the defensive backfield. But I think we're all going to pay attention to the offense. Uh, you know, you're going to walk into spring football and, and eventually into the 21 season, and you will be deeper at running back and wide receiver than you've been in a while. But there's still a lot of unknowns because you have guys that still haven't played a lot of football. Um, that it's time for guys to make the next step. You know, the pecking order, I think it's Survivor Island at running back uh, after Step and, and maybe Johnson and, and possibly Marvin Scott and Irwin. You know, who's going to play out in the running back room? Because there'll probably be one or two that will not like where they finish up after spring, and they may be looking for somewhere to go. Then at wide receiver, I think wide receiver is one of those position groups we're all watching. Um, Torre is different. Nebraska hasn't had a wide receiver like him on campus very often of late. I think he's bound to have a monster season to go straight to the NFL, and he'll have a pro day where we'll go, wow. I think he is ideal for Nebraska. I think he will benefit Nebraska in so many different ways on and off the field. And then, of course, we're waiting for Omar Manning. A lot of eyes will be on Omar Manning this spring to see if he's healthy, if he's in a good place, and if he is as everything was advertised when he joined the program last year. And then you've got guys like Xavier Betts and, and uh, Lante Brown, who we saw glimpses of last year. Now what's the next step? And then we forget about Martin and Flock, who, you know, who, who showed up last year and are going to be key contributors. Um, you know, tight end will be quite the race because of Alan Vokalek, Fedoni, and don't forget about Raftall. So Nebraska's got some options. And then the offensive line where – if you look just at their grades, it's young, but it's really not. You return four or five starters, and I'm curious to see Brant Banks. But I know a lot of people will talk about what I just mentioned. I think it's important for Nebraska this spring. Quarterback, you don't have a lot of depth there. Logan Smothers is going to get a lot of opportunities. I think it's vitally important that Adrian Martinez has a really good spring. I don't know how much activity they will give to him, but there are a lot of people that are talking behind the scenes about the winter that he has had, that he has put up some incredible numbers in terms of conditioning and the way that he is carrying himself, it's a sense of urgency that this might be it and that he wants to get back or at least prove that he can be a star. So I think it's an important spring for Adrian Martinez to show up and show out and then also behind him bring along the other quarterbacks i.e. Logan Smothers. You mentioned that urgency, Gary Sharp's with us and you know, can you return to that, that 2018 form? And you're like, well, wait a minute, that was just his freshman year. But you saw a, a lot of positives. You saw a lot of potential. And, and he really kind of took the reins, Sharpie, with that spring game as a freshman, right? He just kind of looked like the that that it guy. And, and he had a really good freshman season. And he was healthy. That's my biggest concern is what you ask him to do and can he can he get that right arm feeling well to to take some shots? Can you get a run game and an offensive line working together where guess what you can knock out some teams with some play action and get deep right i mean it's it it it, it is about Adrian, but it's also about uh the skill group and the offensive line really kind of stepping their game up because you're right they're 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 not really that young. Uh, and I think Adrian's uh, so vital, and, and I think his mindset's uh, important too. And, and I think he's continued to, he's always been a mature guy, but he'll continue to mature. And I, I think this offense can go spots. Philosophically, do you see a, a bit of a shift at all where, and Nebraska's always been a, a run heavy team, yes, but are they a, a run heavy team that can run it 
when they want to and when they have to? Do we drift more towards that? Well, that's the question, and that's a fair question, Schmitty. Is Nebraska offensively going to be the Rutgers game to end last year where they had a nice dose of running and passing, but it was heavy power run game? Do they trust the offensive line enough that when they, they need to run the football, they're going to be okay running the football? I don't think they'll get away from the overall philosophy of what Scott wants to do, but I, I think you'll start to see a more concerted effort to run the football because of the trust in that offensive line. We saw it against Rutgers. They trusted a a true freshman making his first start at left tackle to run behind in key situations. I think that'll be the case. I think they they have a lot of faith in Step. He's a big back. I think they, they really, really like what they have there. And it's all about trust. If they trust guys, they're going to put them in opportunities to succeed. But all of this discussion always comes back to the quarterback. You know, can the quarterback make the right reads? Can the quarterback get the offense going? Can the quarterback, you know, complete intermediate passes? Can he complete long passes? Can those kind of things open up the running game? Those are all things that, you know, we're not going to know until August 28th, Mm -hmm. but are important here in the spring for Nebraska to button those down. I think it's also important that Nebraska in the spring, you know, if you hear that the defense is winning a lot, that's okay. Because I think that defense, even with all the experience, still needs to make that next step where they become a really, really good defense where it's not on the offense to go out and have to score four touchdowns every game. <laughs> you got to drift back towards what the Big Ten is, right? Uh, is As hard as it is, uh, a lot of 27-24 type wins. I mean, that's that's how you live in this league. Well, uh, and, then, and then getting, you know, and another big thing is we have seen now, uh, especially in the in the recent years of the Big Ten, is defensively, you got to get off the field. Yeah. When you have a chance to get off the field, you need to make a play on third down. So you're running on the field, and the special teams are coming out. I mean, look at look at the teams that are really good in the West. They are really good on third down defense. Mm-hmm. When they need to get off the field, they make a play. They force a turnover. They do something so that they force the other team to punt the football. That's the next step for Nebraska. Is and they've shown they were able to do it at times last uh, fall is get off the field when you have the opportunity. Stop drives, give it right back to the offense. Sharpie, we'll say goodbye. Your lock of the weekend with the Sweet 16 is what? Ooh, um, I'm going to go with Florida State over Michigan. I think that's very possible. The livers factor is huge. They're pretty even with uh, with scoring, rebounding, and, and defense and free throws, but livers is... So key for Michigan, and it was a nice run, Big Ten. <laughs> you know? Well, and, and you know, I, I know that the Big Ten's getting crushed, but yeah. this time of the year, teams win games, conference don't win games. It's just, I, I think what is also shown is there's, there's some coaching that we thought was a little bit better in the Big Ten, not so much. Porter Mosier ran yes. circles around Brad Underwood, and I don't know that we completely saw that coming. Sharpie, uh, hopefully you get down for some baseball this weekend, man. Uh, appreciate you jumping on with us. Hey, thanks, man. Take care. Gary Sharp with us, the Iron Horse on Hale Varsity Radio. And uh, we are about out of time and want to remind you about Hale Varsity. Get the podcast. Do so. Three different platforms to find us. can go to Google Play, can get to iTunes, and can go to Spotify, get the subscription. It is free, and uh, we want that rating. We want that feedback, uh, what you love, what you hate, uh, all that good stuff. Give us uh, some feedback. Give us a rating, and uh, fire off an email if you like as well, chris at com. We are loaded, headed into next week. We'll have 
uh, all the reaction and uh, thoughts from Scott Frost and his crew with Monday's presser. Uh, Husker great Steve Warren will be with us. Uh, some thoughts from the Warren Academy. Charlie McBride, uh, NFL insider, draft analyst, former scout Russ Landy next week. So we're uh, pretty good, good, uh, pretty ready to go as we uh, gear up towards uh, football and uh, spring being a reality. Damon, uh, get yourself a Bloody Mary, and uh, we will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to Hale Varsity Weekend, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.